Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host, Mark Kennedy. I'm joined this week by Kieran Collins. How are things, Kieran? Good, Mark, yourself? It's great, great. You know, an awful lot of great games there last weekend. So I suppose our focus is going to be on the All-Ireland quarterfinals that uh, were played down in Turles last weekend. I suppose, Kieran, we'll start from the start. The curtain raiser in Turles last Saturday was Galway and Cork. I suppose, Karen, what were your overall impressions of that quarterfinal where Galway won by a point? Yeah, I suppose for me going into the game, it was a game where I couldn't call it. You were kind of weighing up both sides. Galway, who would have had a, a pretty steady round-robin campaign, and Cork, maybe not so much, especially in the earlier rounds. You know, I suppose with a bit of hindsight, you look back and Cork were a team who were down, really down in the dumps only like four weeks ago. Um, I suppose you compare that to Galway, albeit they had a very bad against the final against Kilkenny, but they they had that consistency from before that in the round robin. Um, and I think it was a tale of, like, I think the first half was so cagey. It was a, it was a kind of peculiar game, really. But I think Cork obviously had way more possession, but just wasteful with it. You know, Cork had 47 shots in goal, but only had 22 successful, you know, being points or goals. So, like, I think that's a stat that will definitely stand out when they're reviewing and, and looking back at this game. Um, but I think it was a shot selection for me for Cork that really let him down. Um, Cork would have had goal chances, and the two I can remember, I think Robbie Flynn made a run at goal, and, like, taking a shot from that far out, like, the goalkeepers these days, like they're just so good that, you know, that's bread and butter to them. Um, I think O'Flynn possibly, if he'd looked up, I think Connolly was on the inside, you know, and he was in open space as well. And that was the option to take. And I think if you compare that to a clinical team like Limerick have shown for the last few years, and it's it's been taken the right, you know, option. And I think that Cork were probably guilty of that, is not taking the right option. I think as well, there are fits too. Um, had a goal chance, and again, there probably was options inside if he if he had taken a look. Um, I think Lahan probably who who had a great year for Cork. Um, coming back into the panel, probably one of his poor days. And I thought it was very um, it was harsh on Kingston where they were calling for him after the game that because he'd not started Horgan, you know, they were kind of calling for his head. But you know, I think people are quick to forget because. Uh, up to this point, people were calling for Horgan to be dropped. You know, it was kind of out there among different media outlets that, you know, Horgan wasn't putting in the same work rate that one of these younger car players might be putting in off the ball. And he was there as a, you know, a just being a free taker. So I think it was it was kind of harsh in Kingston. You know, they took a chance. They went with Lehan, who had been playing very well all year. Obviously, it just didn't work for him on the day. But I think, okay, Lehan, he missed uh, probably a good few frees. But... I think if you look at the two games, there was a lot of misfreeze. So to me, that would point to, you know, it w- was it a, a swirling wind in the ground? You know, like these guys at the top, they, they don't miss too many. So like when you see it happen, especially in both games, there there might have been something more sinister going on there. But albeit like Cork, they were, you know, on a couple of occasions, brought it down to a one point deficit. Uh, and I thought... It was around the 55 minute mark. Uh, Cork came back to within one, and they, it looked like they had real momentum with him. But you know, it just they just didn't do anything with it. And you know, again, uh, Galway come back on top. Uh, I suppose looking at Galway, uh, I thought Connor Wheel was immense. You know, the the little ball he got on, but like you know, one two from from scraps really. And I think if you're looking from a defending point of view, Sean O'Donnell who just created like a for a corner back. He was man watching instead of wall watching for for Whelan's goal, you know. So instead of looking, you know, playing the ball, he was watching behind him to see where Whelan was. And when you when Whelan gets in that position, like he has the strength, he has that pace, and he's that low gravity where, you know, he'll fend you off, he get by you, and well finished goal. But I also think as well that Patrick Collins possibly could have saved it, you know, near 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 post. But yeah, Whelan, the, the two points as well are exquisite, you know, from either side. Just very good. thought Joseph Cooney had a great game, especially when he went back to six when McInerney went off. That was really dominant. Yeah, look, Galway have a panel and they, maybe this isn't the year. Who knows? But I think they're building. They have some really big, young, talented hurlers. And uh, 
I have a feeling this is like uh, year one of a maybe a two or three year plan. But um, I think, you know, if Galway were to look at their year so far, they'd be fairly happy. I think the only blip was the um, the defeat to Kenny in the Leinster final. But uh, even Anna Murphy, I thought, brilliant. You know, out of all the goalkeepers, the, the, the three, Barry Anna Murphy made some very sloppy mistakes. But And Anna Murphy would have took a lot of, a lot of slack this year, but I thought he had a very good game. His distribution was very good. And uh, it definitely was a goalie the weekend for me. Definitely think I definitely agree with you because I know I was kind of highlighted that in previous podcasts. But in fairness, Aina, I thought he was one of the Galway players that produced in the Leinster final. And additionally, in this quarter final, where I thought it was very testing conditions, it was in Taurus. There did seem to be a bit of a swirling breeze, kind of even cross field to a certain extent, blowing towards the line and end. And unfortunately, I think to be fair, um, to the likes of Patrick Collins. I suppose not the greatest start in terms of that first goal for, with Jack Grealish, you know, a speculative enough effort. But again, that ball is moving around the place, particularly with that cross field effect here. And I think it rattled Cork. You know, some of the shot selection did come off that that early goal concession. I think they were on their heels a little bit. And as you said, the overall tally, but like 24 shots, seven scores for Cork in that first half. And given the Conor Whelan strike, a very cute angle again. You know, those concessions really, they're absolute ball breaks for any side in any championship game. But I suppose for Galway, I think the composure that they showed throughout, when Cork were probably losing theirs, I think is probably the most pleasing aspect from Henry Shefflin. And I think his switches did actually work a treat. David Burke came back into the middle third, bossed the game, I thought, for long stretches. Roland Glennon had a magnificent game on Darrell Fitzgibbon. He man-marked him out of it. And Fitzgibbon has been threatening to kind of burst back onto top form. But Glennon's pace and just his work, Rick, was sensational. Johnny Cohn came on again. I know Fitzgibbon may have taken a few scores late, but Cohn, Jason Flynn, Brian Concanon, they chip in with three points at the end when games had in the balance. So I think from Henry Sheffernstam's point in the backroom team, the composure they showed was incredible. Dolly Burke, usual suspects. Joseph Cooney, I think, is the natural half-back here. I know they may rush back your old McInerney, but... Is it really required if Joseph Cooney back back there? His physicality, his dominance in the air, his pace as well. I think that could be a bit of a selection poser for Henry Shefflin in Sunday week. But I think overall, probably the better side won on the day, Karen, just given the inaccuracies in his firing of Cork, really. Probably it was probably a more complete team performance, I think, is what won it out from, you know, the, the and kind of didn't panic either, even though there was only a point in it at the end and, and, and Cork were pushing, you know, the no stupid mistakes, uh, you know, but I, I, again, the bench made a huge difference coming on, you know, Cahan didn't start, came on and scored. Uh, Cahal Mannion had a great game as well, Consider, you know, compared to the Leinster final where he was well well marshalled by Mikey Butler. But you, you get a feeling that if Galway are to, per, you know, especially against Limerick or go any further or even have aspirations to win the All-Ireland, they're going to need more than Whelan uh, up front Digging them out of it every you know every game because Whelan is their standout forward. Uh, you know I think Cahill Mannion is probably just sharp behind them, but I think like they're going to need more of a a collective. Uh, the forward unit collectively is going to have to stand up more um, to win on All Ireland or to get to the, even to the to All Ireland final. Um, you know I think Connor Cooney kind of like. Obviously doing very well on the freeze, but from play for the I think for the last game or two he hasn't really been scoring. And I think the day is gone where you, any player on the field, especially in the forward six or forward eight, needs to be scoring. And I think it's a nice place for Galway to be in. Obviously they're through, maybe by the skin of their teeth, given the Patrick Horgan left free that went wide. They'll know they have work to do. Probably going under the radar a little bit in the All Ireland semi final. I think all the focus will be on Limerick as well to do a job on Galway. But this Galway team historically in recent years have had no fear of Limerick and vice versa. And these games usually take a life of their own, particularly in the physicality stakes and particularly in that middle third battle. And I don't see anything really changing that much Sunday week. So I think Henry Shefflin probably had plenty of evidence to come back with the Galway team in training this week to kind of limber up for next week's challenge. And as you say, I think Cahamanian will have to play a huge role in any All-Ireland semi-final when he came up Trumps with four points, but is he going to get that same freedom and space in the middle third that he got against Cork? Cork, I thought, were very loose defensively at times. He seemed to find pockets and in regular intervals, and I think, to be fair to Limerick, 
Limerick's defensive systems will shut that down. So, as you say, there are questions to answer here for Sheffield and the backroom staff. But again, it's um, probably a glorious opportunity and one that Henry Shefflin will absolutely relish. I suppose, Kieran, just in terms of Cork, they're out of the championship. It's probably a game full of regrets, but do you see any plus points here for Cork going forward? And what do you see plans-wise for next season? I've seen kind of Niall Moran's comments. I've seen a few other media pundits in terms of maybe Cork doing a complete rebuild next season. Do you see that happening uh, here, Kieran? as part of the Allianz Hurling League. So one thing we all know about Cork is they're a proud hurling county, and you know they kind of are they're kind of set in their ways, you know. And I think it's kind of like the I think it's shown even this year, like the trimming they took in the All Ireland final last year, but it's still to turn up this year and do the very same thing. Like there was no major changes from the game plan that was played last year. Um, I think if Cork were to focus on one area, I think it would be their physical strength. I think if I'm Kingston, I'm still in the job by have these lads in the gym now, you know, um, it's not something that can be changed overnight. They're still trying to, you know, they're working scores from the half back line. They want to run a goal. And I think teams have kind of, you know, they've, they've shut it down or they know how to shut it down easily. You know, you pack up that middle area and, you know, it's not as effective. And yeah, it, I think, it's really it'll be really interesting to see. I don't think they'll be they'll rush a decision. I saw somewhere it was one of the art or newspapers where Kingston must be offered one more year, which was kind of surprising. I thought this would have been it for him. So I think it all depends who remains. Is it the same management team or new management team? There's a lot of talk. I suppose with Cork that the likes of Ben O'Connor, they'd like to see give him a goal because of the job he's done with Middleton and 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 you know he has a probably a good CV at this stage. Um, in management, you know, I suppose it's really hard to know, but I do know if they, if they stick with this current management setup, you know, they can't just come up again next year playing the same same style at Hurling and brand of Hurling. You know, I think the maybe back in the nineties where it was, you know, wasn't as physical or as you know as tactical, but I think the the bigger, stronger teams can can now play Cork at a running game. And it's not as if Karen Kingston had a mediocre backroom staff with him. They've moved mountains to get the backroom staff that they had. The psychologist, I know Christy O'Connor in terms of goalkeeping coach, moved in during the off-season. You had The Rock, Dermot Sullivan. You had various guys there that are... Hernan Brains, Donald Grady was in the setup in some shape or form. Pat Mulcahy so as well, I think, which is highly regarded. Exactly. So it's not as if they didn't have Hernan Mines here to read the thighs scheme. Now, what I was hearing from Cork, now James Mulcahy is not here tonight, but it was all about circumstance last year, not all Ireland Hernan final, about the lead up to the throw-in and that spooked them and all this, that and the other. But as we've seen in the Alliance Hurlan League, there was never, there was always a vulnerability, particularly right down the middle of the park for Cork, particularly defensively. And maybe they have now Kieran Joyce. They've identified maybe Alan Connolly as a full forward. But still, there is maybe questions to answer in terms of the goalkeeping position. Fullback has never been settled in Cork. And if you don't have a steady fullback line and goalkeeping unit here, where are you going to go as an inter-county team? I think they have massive defensive issues. Coleman switched to wing-back. But is he a favourite wing-back? Should he be going more midfield, half-forward line? Tim Amani made the switch. It's not as if they don't have talent coming through in the minors and under 20s. Uh, I think maybe an opportunity here to blood a few guys, particularly in those positions, and see where they go long term and recommit to these players. But yeah, I heard those media reports on Kieran Kingston. One year contract only? That's not a ringing endorsement of Kieran Kingston, by the way. I think if Kieran Kingston, you'd want to be looking for a two, three year additional contract. But, you know, you hear those media reports and maybe it's kind of leaks again from wherever, but it just doesn't sit well, you know, immediately after a performance, a heartbreaking loss for Cork, but again, a meagre one-year contract for Kieran Kingston, who's committed an awful lot of time and energy to this Cork set, seems a bit of an insult. Yeah, and look, I was actually thinking about it there during the week, looking back, okay, Cork were in the All-Ireland final last year, but if you look back at the run of games to get there, like, Clare were within a puck of a ball away from, from beating them. You know, Tony Kelly, uncharacteristically, had a, what do we call it, maybe a sitter in soccer terms, you know, that he missed that would have put him out. And it took extra time to beat, you know, like a Kenny team who are not the strength they used to be. 
So I think it was kind of a false dawn last year uh, when they're in the final, and I think I think Limerick probably you know showed that the golf in class, and I, I think maybe Cork bought into that that false dawn and thought they were better than what they were. And if you're looking into this year, like it's been. You know, up to a month ago, Cork were in disarray. Got into that water for game. Like Cork were down. Like they were having uh, group meetings and and in Photo Wildlife or Wildlife Park. It was all highlighted. Like that's only four or five weeks ago. You know, so they beat a a water for team who the the uh, wheels are completely falling off and a Tipperary team to get to these latter stages. So, like, if Cork think that they're anywhere close to win on Ireland, they're not. So. Making a few player positional changes during the year isn't going to bridge that gap. You know, it, as I, I mentioned earlier, during the year, like it's a system failure. You know, it's their their game plan is just not working. And as I say, if they turn up again next year with the same game plan, it'll be quarterfinal at best stage again next year. If they're lucky, I think. I think there's going to be massive reflections in Cork, particularly on this season, how it's gone, the optimism of the Allianz Hurling League. They were riding very high, and then Watford gave them an absolute thumping again. It was like an All-Ireland Hurling final revisited, Nightmare Part 2. And again, there was that aftershock effect. Limerick in the opening round of the Munster Championship really exposed their frailties again, confidence-wise. Clare then did the job in round two, and as you say, is the form line all that it was cracked up to be? Particularly round three against Watford and Tipperary, probably arguably one of the worst Tipperary teams in Munster Senior Hurling Championship history, let's be frank about it. And then they go then into the qualifiers. And had a sticky enough opening period against Antrim in Corrigan Park. So it's not as if the form line was absolutely outstandingly brilliant heading into this quarterfinal. And I think the pro- probably the performance at the weekend probably is a reflection, a perfect reflection of where Cork are. It was the good, bad and the ugly, really. Yeah, and if you're going to, you know, I suppose they're going to really look into it. But like, I think the chalk and cheese from this last year to this year, Patrick Collins, who was an all-star nominee last year, I thought he had a very poor year this year. Defensively, there's still huge question marks. You mentioned earlier that haven't nailed down their fullback. You know, until you have uh, a resident three, six, and maybe midfield, especially like you're not going to win all Ireland. You know, so I think they're. They, I think next year they should plan on. Like you know, I think Joyce is a real find for centre back, and I think he will be centre back for a lot, many years to come. But they need to find a steady fullback in behind him, you know, and, and, and have it like that. You know, Sean O'Donoghue, I thought, like, that was a great year last year, but, you know, when you see him against Whelan the other day, like, for a cornerback to not be playing the ball, you know, like, Whelan should not have got the opportunity to score that goal last weekend. When the pressure came on on Lehan, you know, he obviously looked like, not going to be critical, he had a great year, but, you know, this is knockout hurling, this is their first weekend of knockout hurling, and they, um, you know, just didn't perform on the big day. So, again, I don't know, will Horgan be there next year? You know, obviously one of the elder statesmen in the car team uh, might be happy with being dropped all year. You know, these are question marks. And it's like, kind of like Galway playing without Canning. You know, if they're going into next year, Cork playing without Horgan, you know, again, big boots to fill. Uh, but, yeah, I think Cork will it'll be a long summer or winter in Cork. but. Definitely something they will be looking at is the is phys- physicality of the team. They just don't seem to lay a glove on teams defensively. And, uh, you know, I think nowadays the way Hurland has been played, you, you need to mix it. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with you, Kieran. And I suppose with Galway, it's a case of into the semi-finals, as we say, a little bit under the radar. And again, it'll be a fascinating encounter between Limerick. And Limerick is a great rival there built up in the last couple of years. And I think Henry Shefflin will relish that, particularly taking into account maybe Kilkenny's tactics in 2019 a little bit in the All-Ireland semi-final. Oh, they compressed the final third, worked like dogs. And again, they have a viable threat in Conor Whelan. Brian Cannon as well, his fabulous hurler as well. It'll be very interesting to just see how Shefflin kind of gets that. And as well, the Gerald McInerney situation will be probably media talk about it. But again, it's kind of shown, I, I don't think Galway defensively are in bad shape here. I think they've really been very prominent in an awful lot of their games. And I think Anna Murphy and goals as well has been a real kind of increasing influence for them as well. Dahi Burke back to his best. And I thought Joseph Cooney really solidified an awful lot of things there. There was a bit of a run game going with Cork, particularly in those first 20 minutes. 
And to be fair to Galway, Cooney really did steady the ship, particularly, and same with Park Mannion as well. Uh, Fintan Burke as well. I think that is an outstanding half-back line that matches up, I think, quite well with that Limerick half-forward line. I think that would be a fascinating watch on Sunday week, uh, uh, Kieran. But I suppose we can move on to the second game in Turles last Saturday, and that was uh, Wexford against Clare. Now, Kieran, you're based in Wexford. Again, everything looked to be going so rosy with 10 minutes to go in normal time in the second half, uh, six points up. And Clare then came with a dramatic fight back, I suppose, Karen, from a Wexford point of view. Uh, what's been the general mood of the county uh, from the elimination? Yeah, I think going into the game, there wasn't a whole, you know, not among everyone, a whole lot of hope. Um, I think the consensus was they give a good rattle, but... I don't think many thought that they would actually see it out, but you know, I think you know it was in their grasp. And if they're looking back at it, I, I think the reason why is not having a, a battle-hardened bench to come on, and that was the difference in the day. Like Wexford we started really well, Jack O'Connor goal after 30 seconds, you know, ideal start. And I think really they should have probably made more hay in that first half, going in level at half time with. Playing all the hurling, you know, I think as well, Claire missing an awful amount of frees uh, in that first half. Tony Kelly and um, and and Duggan. Probably the time Wexford really should have taken advantage of that. But I think um, for Kilkenny going in facing Claire, I think Wexford have shown a few frailties that, you know, could and would be targeted. The, the twin towers, they call them, like Chin and Connor McDonald inside caused real trouble for, for Claire. You know, the long ball going in. And at times, like there were, you know, Chin got one, maybe two, if he got the flick on it. He could have had another two where there was one where the ball obviously blazed over the bar and then obviously the pull down as well, you know. So the, I think Chin especially really caused, really caused trouble in there. And I think if you're alone, you'd be kind of, you know, you'd be worrying going into the like a Kenny game where you might be seeing the likes of Massey Keown and uh, TJ Reid inside, you know, Kilkenny might play, you know, we all know Kilkenny likes to play long ball, so it could be an area that they try and target. But I think Lowen showed his ruthlessness taking, like Rory Hayes, obviously made a clumsy error and to be taken off after eight minutes, like I think even the great Cody hasn't done the likes of that. And by all accounts, it, it wasn't an injury because he actually played for uh, Wolf Tones the next day. You know, obviously... He wasn't taking any chances with him. For Rory Hayes, it's been a real like roller coaster year. Like being on people's lips for uh, an All Star nominee earlier on in the earlier rounds to now, you know, falling out of favour even to make the team possibly. But like at a half time, I suppose from a extra point of view, I was kind of saying, you know, I think they're going to need at least two goals to have any chance to see this out. And you know, it was probably a six point turnaround. It could have been where. I think it was Galvin shot hit the crossbar and Chin went down and got the goal. And you know you're six points up. You're thinking you know you're playing the better hurling. You know it's there, but I think this Clare bench uh, was the difference. One four off the bench from Clare. Mikey Dwyer got one for Wexford, but Mikey Dwyer came in for for Roy O'Connor when he went off. So I I wouldn't even count that as a, an impact sub at the end. So effectively Wexford had no score from the from the bench. You know, and I think that's that's the difference. The team who finished the game is as important as the team who start the game. And I think just you know, I think I think this is actually a, a problem that Darry Egan has probably inherited from David Fitzgerald at times because David seemed to play his certain guys and outside of that the, the fringe players found it hard to to make a, an impact. So I think for in the off season Darry Egan is definitely something you have to look at is uh looking at every player in the county and uh just to try and <clears throat> try and strengthen up that bench. As we're looking at it for Clare, you know, the three guys who would have been mentioned in the Munster final, uh, Tony Kelly, Ryan Taylor, David Fitzgerald, to me, had a very quiet game. Uh, I think Shane Reck did an absolutely unbelievable job of Tony Kelly, holding him to a point while he was on the field. And uh, I think it even showed how did he, how, how good a job he did do because Tony Kelly scored three within five or six minutes when, when, when Shane Reck had to go off. I think for Clare, you know, the... It's a good sign of a team to to play bad and win, and and the way they finished as well. It's players having quite games. You get away with that up to this stage, but I think for Clare to win on Ireland, they need everyone one to fifteen to have a to be playing to their top of their game. 
they can't afford to have players having quite days. I'd agree with you there, Karen, particularly on the quite days, because maybe I hinted on it last week about the energy levels of Clare. Would it be a concern? We kind of maybe dismissed it a little bit. Maybe that was a bit of a contributing factor, uh, a little bit. They looked a bit lifeless at times. Think of in terms of Cahill Malone, who's very Mr. Reliable there in the middle turf for Clare. I think he had about two opportunities to score base wide, but just looked jaded, looked not at the pitch of the game. And to be fair to Clare, it was a magnificent comeback. But as you say, with Kilkenny and Brian Cody, who's probably in the crowd scouting here, looking at Quilligan again, there is another kind of goal. Now, you can argue all you want about square balls and everything else, but... The fact of the matter was that Wexford asked questions of Clare defensively on the aerial ball, and Clare really didn't have much answers. I'm even thinking that Nolan um, takedown of Chin. I mean, that has triggered an awful lot of debate in terms of markings on the pitch and whether it should have been a black card or not. But it, you can see Kilkenny exposing a cornerback here for Clare very quickly. It's already weak. First few balls into a TJ Reid. Catching Kyohan, bang, back of the net. And all of a sudden, Claire on the back foot. And just from a Claire perspective, the Rory Hayes substitution, to me, the player's probably mindset probably was completely off. And I think that's more a management issue in terms of not sensing that beforehand and not trusting Nolan to start from the start. I thought it was poor management off Lohan, to be perfectly fair. And I mean, for Rory Hayes, his confidence has to be completely on the floor. So I think... If Hayes features on Saturday week, I think that'll be a major miracle because of giving that treatment and given it's his own club man as well. It is uh, what it is. It's a brutal sport, intercounty hurling, but I think nine minutes, as you said, Karen, I've never seen Brian Cody do that before. So I wonder morale-wise in the squad, seeing something like that, maybe colleagues of Rory Hayes, who he's close to, I mean, surely that must have a bit of eruption or a bit of a morale kind of issue in that camp. There's a precedent being set here. Yeah, I think I think you know during the game, I think everyone probably had the impression that there was an injury there, and that's why he was taken off. But I think when the word came out that it wasn't an injury, and he was hauled off for, I suppose for he an error he had made, you know, like it is early, and and it has to affect uh, the mindset of a of a player like Rory Hayes, you know, to as I said, the roller coaster year to go from you know All Star nominee to you know, okay, and look when you look back at the games, the recent games, like Desi Hudson scored one six off him, and Jamie Flanagan scores eight points. So, you know, you probably would question the all-star nominee. I suppose really after them two performances, it's just not something you see. Like, you know, are we going down that road of like we're not robots? Players aren't robots. You know, again, people forget this is an amateur sport. They're doing this for. For our good, more than their own, and uh, you know, I think I, I thought it was very harsh and known, um, especially after eight minutes. Yeah, I would agree. And again, I think it'll be a fascinating watch to see who actually slots in a cornerback. You know, maybe it's a psychology kick. We don't know Rory is personally, whether that kind of will jolt him into elevated performances. Brian Lawn and Rory Hayes are club mates and club colleagues and Wolf Tones and Shannon, so. They would have a close bond, close connection there. So all remains to be seen. But back to Clare, I suppose it was a magnificent fight back, given the six points down, you know, you chin, McDonald, who would also miss a great chance in the opening half as well, Karen. I thought Clare were haunted to be level at half time. Just given Wexford dominance in the middle third, you know, McGovern, there was an awful lot of ball that was won in that half back line for Wexford particularly and I thought maybe it was a little bit of an opportunity lost for Wexford a bit in that first half to maybe have a four or five point lead at half time because they were definitely the dominant side, I thought. Absolutely, yeah. I think I mentioned it earlier where, you know, I think looking back, if you were to look back at it, they could have been three or four points up at half time. Clare were very wasteful. You know, Wexford did all the hurling and, and, and ran at Clare, I suppose, and troubled him at times. And, you know, different game then if they're coming out four points up and you know, get an early goal or two like they got. Um, probably pull it outside of Clare's reach at that stage. Yeah, look, a real good sign of a, a team to to be able to bounce back, you know, six points down with 10 minutes to go. Didn't seem to panic. You know, I think Aaron Chandler coming on, great game, 1-2. You 
you know, it's one of these players where, to me, I think he's kind of hot and cold, really. But um, one two, and by all accounts, played for Wolfton the Shannon the day after and scored three two. Yeah. So you know what this fella going into an All Ireland semi final. What this, you know, this shows what form he's in. So you imagine this guy coming off the bench if the game's in the metal pot. What is he going to bring you? Um, and I think that's what's needed now, and that's what Wexford didn't have. Also, as well, you look at Clare had 45 shots in goal, Wexford 29. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that's the difference. Like, scoring 14 points is probably not enough to win matches, you know, at this level. You know, okay, I'll buy the three goals, but 14 points is a, a very low return at this level. And I think that's something the like, Limerick kind of judged themselves on. You know numbers and it's shot numbers and 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 scored shots you know but like 29 uh shots at goal is it's just not enough but yeah the only thing actually one for for Wexford point of view is Mark Fanning I thought probably had the poorest year he's had in in recent years and there's a lot of knives out from around this area you know looking into next year uh it's one area Wexford have never really looked at outside of Mark Fanning over the last years. No one's really got a chance. So it's hard to know, is there any better there? But um, yeah, I think he's been poor, not just in shot stopping, but I think in in, uh, in uh, distribution as well. Yeah, because I mean, in fairness to Mark Fanning, you know, he does score the goal, the speculative efforts. He did have a previous moment before the Shanahar goal, didn't he, where... Yeah. He did drop a kind of a ball from distance and got away with it. And again, unfortunately, with the goal that went in, it was just fine margins again. You know, he drops the ball and you'd hope then as a goalkeeper, your full back line may come to your rescue. But again, the marking there was a little bit kind of on the loose side, maybe from a full back line perspective from Wexford. Chanahar scores a goal and the whole dynamic of the change changes. You can see body language a little bit on one or two of the Wexford players weighing. After that goal goes in, the Clare crowd behind Fanning's goal just literally erupt. And I think it's a switch down at that stage. Exactly. And then, as you say, Shane Reck had done a magnificent job with Tony Kelly, could go no further. And then you see the final stats with Tony Kelly, Shane O'Donnell, they emerged from the game with six points, but I think at least four of them came literally in the closing stages when the game opened up. Players coming out for Wexford, not really at the pitch of the game. And just Kelly getting that extra yard of space and really executing very well. And again, Shane Meehan, a guy that Rory Walsh, who's usually on our podcast, would have highlighted, comes on two points from play. Mark Rogers coming into the side. An awful lot of that injury list is now coming back from Clare. Aidan McCarthy as well, who's going to be a massive player if he gets any game time here, Karen as well, for Kilkenny, because that certainly will be needed in the middle third battle, particularly against Kilkenny. Because you know how Kilkenny will set up, really, the middle third will be physicality central. Yeah, Ed McCarthy, by all accounts, played for Ina Kilmona um, last weekend and played very well. So I think you'll, you'll expect to see him at some stage um, next weekend. Uh, I think he'll, he'll add another dynamic to that team. Um, you know, young Hurler of the Year nomination was it two or three years in a row. So, you know, another great player. And I think what Clare are, are doing is what the top teams probably need to do is 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 the bench you know you've Aaron Channer you've Shane Meehan Mark Rogers you know uh like these guys are, are game winners uh, you know and for young guys like they're the the experience they're gaining and, and if Claire don't do it this year you know definitely next year they'll be going in with that extra bit of experience and drive you know they're um they're definitely going about things the right way yeah and this is a clear side. An awful lot of that squad have massively good memories of Crow Park. In All-Ireland semi-finals, All-Ireland finals, back to the big dance. We say that about Kilkenny being Crow Park their second home, but Clare traditionally have always put it up to Kilkenny. There seems to be no fear factor from Clare. And even comments I've seen from a few Clare colleagues at work and other Clare people that I know, they feel very confident in terms of this All-Ireland semi-final, that they reckon the momentum is up that they will deliver a performance, which, you know, any other country, I think it's dangerous talk, but I think Clare's historically have really put it up to Kilkenny and they feel this time that they will get over the line against Kilkenny and get into an All-Ireland Hurling final. Yeah, it, it, it's fighting talk. Kilkenny, yeah, they're they're not the team they were, but they're still no walkover. I think 
They'll definitely trouble him. Uh, I think looking at the extra game, Kenny will have learned a lot. I think definitely long ball in, like Chinna McDonald really gained from from that. Um, I think as well Shane Rex showed. You know, you mark Tony Kelly, and you know he doesn't have the same influence he has as like against Limerick. The two games where he wasn't marked, he ran the show, but you just don't give him the ball or. or even limits the amount of chances he gets on the ball. You know, he can't do as much damage. So I think, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I, I've i seen Mikey Butler marking Kyle Mannion for Galway. Would he be one to pick up for, uh, Tony Kelly, possibly? Um, you know, so I think Kilkenny would have would have watched and would have learned a bit about this Clare team. I'll be a Clare one for Kilkenny, but, you know, Kilkenny are, you know, they're, they're no walkovers either and they're, They've had four weeks, which is what Clare haven't had. And, uh, you know, they, Cody's, you know, he tries in these situations. Like, you know, and this this is where he wants to be. And Cody wants to be back in all Ireland final. So I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion, but yeah, I still would fancy Clare. But I think Kilkenny will not be walk over. I'm with you too. There. In more in hindsight, in terms of what I saw with Galway and Kilkenny was a massively physical encounter. Clare are going to have to up that again. You know, even from the Munster final, they're going to have to up that level again. Do they have that gear? I think midfield-wise, in terms of David Fitzgerald and also Carl Malone, they have to be absolutely ruthlessly dominant in that middle, middle midfield exchange, really stuffing out the threat of Adrian Mullen, who can chip in with three to four points from play. Again, I think there's question marks over this Clare full-back line after Wexford. And as, as you say, no better man than Cody see the case study of Wexford. So I think from that perspective, I think it's an absolute humdinger of an All-Ireland semi-final. If it does go maybe down to the bench, I would maybe favour Clare a little bit more. You know, if there's a scenario here where Kenny are five to six points up with 10 minutes to go, Clare may come back into the game, but is it going to be enough? I think that could be the kind of um, the mantra here. So I think from Clare, as you say, they're going to have to be fully on it in terms of their monster final performance. We're 1-15, to 15, actually 1-19, to 19, really did deliver a performance. That's going to have to happen again. Because if there is a replica of that Wexford display, there's only one team going to win, and that's going to be Kilkenny. But yeah, I think even going back to Wexford here, uh, Kieran, just in terms of Darry Egan, his first year in charge, you've kind of mentioned it in terms of squad depth here. Uh, I know you've told me off air here that the Wexford Championship is starting next week. Any kind of key players here that do you think Darry Egan should be looking at, or is it just cast the net out across all the clubs and really see who the talent is? And bring him into the squad next season. Yeah, I think they really need to go into the club championship with an open mind. The talent pool probably isn't there compared to what other counties might have. That'd be the one thing that I think Wexford will look back and I think they're fairly happy with the year they've had. I I expected a, a real hangover from the David Fitzgerald times, and I I really thought that key players would have been tired after the last few years like the work rate they were putting into every game um but i think like you know wexford's league obviously there were you know no complaints i think the the only blip along the way of the league was the uh semi-final performance to waterford which you know i don't think anyone saw coming and, and looking back i suppose they were the galway game galway possibly galway should have had that game home and hose by half time but didn't they were wasteful um, they still held on and, and got the point out of that game. But, you know, I suppose it's, it's a surprise games along the way, like the Dublin game where, OK, Dublin were probably similar to Wexford this year, a bit hot and cold. But, you know, the Westmead game as well, you know, coughing up a point there, like the surprise blips along the way. And then you go and see them play Kilkenny, where they absolutely blew Kilkenny off the park. Uh, and again, with Clare, to be fair, I think like if you're looking back, OK, Clare won, but I think Wexford were the, were the better team for 60 minutes. Without a doubt, and I think the bench was what let them down at the end when it came to it. I, I think even Dar Egan, uh, in his aftermath uh, comments, said that they basically ran out of bodies. Is what he yeah. was called it to say. So I think it's something they really look at. I I think physicality wise, they probably have it. You know, fitness, it, they have it. They're, you know, they they finish games strongly. I just think it's to uncover a few maybe players that are. You know, whether young guys or, or established guys, and try to get them up to speed because, you know, we, we, it's a twenty, you know, twenty man game, twenty three man game. You're not going to win all Ireland's with 
17, 18 lads. Yeah, I'll agree with you there, Karen. I think Dar Egan, I think he's had a great year now. I think the Westmead draw as well in the Sir Hurland Championship was probably a reality check for him and the team to a certain extent. No, take nothing away from Joe Fortune and West, Westmead that actually delivered a great performance on the day in Mullingar. But I think it did kind of show Darig in a bit in terms of squad depth not being quite there. And as you say, Darig being very meticulous. There's a few more under 20s to come into that side. I'm thinking of Byrne, particularly inside full forward, you know, scoring threat because Rory O'Connor was a massive loss there as well, Kieran. Going off so early against Clare, if he was inside there as well, along with Chin and McDonald, my God, there would have been absolute carnage in that second half. But I think for Darry Egan, he's pragmatic. I think there's been plenty of positives. I think the players have played with a smile on their face in Wexford. don't think that was the case at the end of the David Fitz era. I think it was very kind of pressure of the world on them, you know, a bit of a siege mentality. And I think that had kind of died a miserable death come the end. So I think Darry Egan has brought a bit of freshness to it. Maybe, you know, looking maybe astutely at maybe maybe making another backroom addition or two and, you know, go again and identify a few more players to come off the bench, you know, particularly in that Alliance Hurling League, that they do have that strong 25, 28-man squad that he can depend upon if injuries do come in. Because Lee Chin, his season was a bit curtailed. He was growing with every match. But again, they're looking for leaders, particularly in that forward line, middle third. And, you know, as you said, rightfully, captain, superbly, Kieran, you know, ran out of bodies, particularly in that last 10 minutes. Uh, but, yeah, no, a good, I think, I think it's been a good season for Wexford overall. But again, you know, probably what might have been, you know, having a bit of a, a goal against uh, Limerick, potentially, in a Alaron semi-final, probably been a huge attraction to Wexford, uh, to be fair. But, uh, yeah, all, all to play for uh, for Clare uh, Saturday week. I suppose, uh Karen, before we leave the All Ireland semi-finals, we haven't really talked about Limerick, have we? Uh, in terms of preparation, seeing local Limerick re- media reports stating that uh, Keane Lynch is uh, on par to maybe kind of make an appearance uh, during that All Ireland semi-final against Galway, which is a tiny boots for Limerick ahead of that Galway clash. Yeah, I think Kylie. I, I actually saw his interview and I think he was still a little bit cagey. You know, it doesn't give much away. So whether he starts or is, you know, we might see 15, 20 minutes of him. But I think a, a, an even bigger player, I think, who is back and is training and by all accounts going very well is Peter Casey. You know, I think, yeah, I think he's what we, what he is what we've been missing, you know, this year. Um, you know, you look back to his All Ireland final performance. Uh, the All Ireland final, he was just unmarkable. You know, up to that point where the 25, 26 minutes, he had five points scored. So, yeah, I, I'd really like to see Casey getting back in. And I think with Casey coming back in, it possibly allows you to bring Kyle Hayes back out the field to where he's more effective, you know. So, look, hopefully Keane is, will start. Um, he's our Tony Kelly, you know. You know so, if you're going he's Limerick's best player and creator, you know. So, it will be a timely addition to the team. But I, I think for Limerick, look, yeah, Galway have, Galway, I suppose, in the latter stage of the competition are the only team that have really put up to them over the years. You know, like the 18 final, as we all know how tight that finished. Again, and it was a 2020 where they were the closest team to Limerick all year. Was it three or four points was the margin in the end? Sure, it was Limerick, taken after 70 minutes. Uh, Karen yeah, could have gone either way, really. Limerick really struggled to, to kind of close it out that day. So... I think traditionally, yeah, over the last few years, Galway are the team that have got closer to Limerick and probably down to their sheer size and physicality. But one thing that Galway, the last day for me, they lost half of their own puckouts, which I think for Sheffield will be worrying stat. Going up against a team who pride themselves on retaining ball. I know Galway traditionally are kind of never too worried about, you know, winning ball, but it's kind of winning the breaking ball maybe more so. But I think if Limerick can ret- retain ball and win ball, you know, I think God, that's where Galway might struggle. You know, I think you you need to win more than half. I think that's one area that Limerick could possibly trouble Galway. Yeah, I think that puckout stat really was probably one of those ones for Shefton that he's really going to have to hone in, particularly on his half-forward line particularly. And wasn't as if that half-forward line were a small half-forward line, very big physical players and 
I think if that is repeated on Sunday week, particularly against Limerick, you know, you imagine likes of Declan Hannon or Dermot Burns, they're going to be shooting from distance and more times than not, they could be eight, nine points from play very easily from that half back line. And it'll be a very interesting play from Sheffield. How he's going to set up here. Is he going to fundamentally change the Galway style here? Or is he going to just go very much direct style, particularly in the puckouts? And I suppose from Limerick, the Kyle Hayes kind of conundrum is there, isn't it? It'll be a fascinating watch. Again, probably wasted inside in the full, full forward line. Does he go back wing back? If he goes back wing back, then obviously Dan Morrissey seems to be the guy that's going to be omitted here. But Morrissey's played pretty solid again this season. And so I think it's some intriguing kind of subplots here. Uh, as well, like Bill O'Donoghue, Darrow O'Donovan, you know, emerging again from that Munster final. A bit more form, particularly at the end of the game. Are we going to see more of a form line from that midfield duo as well? Because you can see David Burke pulling in a massive ship for 45-50 minutes. It will be intriguing to see Rowan Glennon probably getting the nod again. And Johnny Cohn. So I think from that perspective, yeah, it's going to be an intriguing one for Galway. I think how they're going to kind of solve a little bit in terms of their, dare I say, attacking kind of shape issues. Because they did fade out a little bit against Kilkenny in that second half. Uh, in the Leinster Hurland final. And if an, a repeat happens again, there's only going to be one winner here. But uh, yeah, I think for Limerick, the, does the layoff have a factor here at all, Kieran? Four weeks, same with Kilkenny. I know Kilkenny are kind of masters at managing this four weeks, but is there any kind of fear from Limerick here um, being prepared on this? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think like if you look back at you know, the last few years, it's the route they've traditionally gone winning Munster for the last you know three or four years. To have, you know, it's not something this is going to be new to them. Like they, they've managed it well over the last few years. Like look back at the semi final last year, you know, okay, Waterford kept Adam strong. You know, if you remember that first quarter, and Limerick still led going into the water break. So, you know, maybe the start could be you're, you're probably worrying area, but you know, I think most teams like Clare having the two weeks off to the extra game. You know, I think we kind of saw a bit of a hangover from that Munster final in the Clare performance, especially in the first half. And their bigger players, you know, the players who have played well in that Munster final not having as good a game. So I think two weeks is probably not enough. And maybe four weeks on the upper end of, of enough, maybe three is the ideal. But I think, I think you know, they'll have the, the week or two to, you know, maybe not take it easy, but to, you know, enjoy themselves after the Munster final get back to a bit of light training, get the, the bodies healed and, and ready again and, you know, get back into it. So I, I think, I think, the, I think Kylie, they, they know how to manage the, the time, I suppose, is the most important thing. And, uh, you know, I think the lads will be chomping at the bit to get going again. Exactly. Karen, can we call it on the All-Ireland Terms semi-finals? I suppose Claire, Kilkenny, uh, you were kind of hinting there, Claire. Are you still going with them? Yeah, I... Performance, I suppose, you know, all, looking at them, in, especially in the championship this year, bar the extra game, I suppose, was a little bit of a blip there, performed consistently, you know, and I think that's what, when you get to the latter stages of this competition, like, you know, it's the teams who perform consistently well, you know, get the results. Kilkenny probably slowly um, built up, mediocre, I suppose, round robin, and you know, I think they'd have been hurting after that Wexford loss, but they really power back against uh, against Galway. Uh, I don't think they'll fear Clare, and I, I think after that Wexford game, there'll be areas in which they'll target Clare as well, the same. And uh, but I think you'll just Clare with the bench they have probably is a bit stronger than Kenny's. Like I mentioned, Aaron Shanahan scoring. You know, I suppose if you look at it, four goals and, and four points in two games, like. You know, the likes of this coming off the bench is probably what Kilkenny don't have. But, you know, Kilkenny will target. I'm sure Owen Cody will be one that Lowen will be looking at how to handle. I suppose you imagine Paul Flanagan will pick up him. Yeah, look, I suppose based on the la- on, on the consistency of Clare and you, you probably have to fancy him against Kilkenny. Um, and regarding Limerick and Galway, it's kind of strange for, for, for Limerick man to be I suppose, you know, we're used to being underdogs for as long as I can remember. Um, 
but you know I, I think they're they haven't really shown the heights of what they've shown maybe the past or you know the last year or two I think they're probably building nicely we were injury hit probably all year or majority of the year and I think to guess Casey and potentially Lynch back on they have to be you know game a massive boost to Limerick and you know these are two big players for Limerick so I think based on that you'd have to go with Limerick kind of agree with you there particularly on Limerick I think Limerick the keyword is performance isn't it if Limerick can produce a performance on the day I don't think Galway's best will beat Limerick but I do think Galway will put it up to them I think I've seen some people's comments in terms of that Galway performance and but Galway will raise their game for Limerick. There's no fear of that. Uh, I just think so's bench boys for Limerick. It's probably um, going to edge it, but I think there's going to be probably nothing in this for 20 minutes to go. But I think Limerick by maybe four or five. And then for the Clare Kilkenny game, I'm going to go against Clare. I just think that Kilkenny may have a master plan here to really exploit that full back line of Clare and hit maybe an early goal or two goal burst here that really does kind of stretch it out to a four or five point game having Clare to chase a game. Um, and as well as that, they need Peter Duggan inside Clare to really perform. No no score from play against Wexford, which if that happens again against Kilkenny, I think that is, that's a big psychological win for Kilkenny. I, I just have this feeling here in terms of Kilkenny, it's even though the performance was very workmanlike against uh, Galway, I just thought the way that they ground out, out that result, they're going to do the same against Clare. And just wondering again, that two-week gap again, the tire, is there going to be tired bodies from a clear perspective here? Well, for me, I think it could be Kilkenny here and Limerick in an All-Ireland Hurling final. Um, you know, <laughs> you could very easily be a chef in the Cody final as well. You just never know. But uh, I think it's a Kilkenny-Limerick game. I just have that sense of Kilkenny that they're behind, you know, quite behind the scenes. Nobody's talking about them. All the hype is going to be this week about Clare and Limerick. And you have two teams here in the Lancer Hurling Championship chomping at the bit. I think these could be two very competitive games. Kieran, we'll leave it there anyway. Uh, many thanks for your insights and contributions as always uh, uh, this week anyway. And look, we'll kind of run the rule over the All-Ireland Hurling semifinals uh, following week. Many thanks, Kieran. Cheers, Mark. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Sidekick on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.